When I initially bought my first home in 2017, that home had a large lot and I knew that there had to be some sort of utilization of that lot. So that's what got me thinking and got me looking into ADUs. And that was in 2019 that I built my first ADU. That one was rough. And actually I started the whole process in early 2019 and didn't get permits until March of 2020, which we all know what happened there. But the learning experience from that led me to understand the opportunity here. So remodeled the front house, built that one. So I bought the house for 335,000, remodeled the front house, and then built the ADU for 100,000 there. And then after I built the ADU, the house appraised for 785,000 about a year later. So we're sitting here with Christian Ballou. Yep. With Momentum Capital Group, yeah. the king of ADUs <laughs> in San Diego. How's it going, Christian? Thanks for having me. Tell me a little bit about what you guys are up to over at Momentum Capital Group. It, se it seems like you guys are doing some big things in the Claremont neighborhood. Yeah, I'm, I'm Christian Ballou. I'm, I'm with Momentum Capital Group, and I'm also a real estate broker here in San Diego at a small family office down south. But I do a lot of deals uh, all over San Diego. My main focus right now is split between the real estate brokerage and Momentum Capital Group and working really towards growing Momentum Capital Group and, and building a, a, a massive team and a massive offering to different investors. And we focus on ADUs and specifically single family conversion to multifamily. So we're taking a single family home and converting it to anywhere from three to 15 units in central San Diego area. So right now our focus is on a few uh, areas, which is Claremont, Linda Vista, and Bay Park. But as we expand our investor pool and as we expand our and grow, um, we will need to move into different areas. And, and a lot of the central city of San Diego areas are great for what we're looking for. One thing I like to preface with what we're doing is is most people have a negative take on, you know, that conversion. Throwing a bunch of units in, on a single family home, blowing up a neighborhood, not having any parking or or just making overall the neighborhood like feel not as great as it was before. But one thing we're doing is we're buying single family homes that have been way under, you know, not taken care of, really an eyesore in the neighborhood. And we're renovating those single family homes, bringing up the neighborhood with us and then adding units. So the issue in San Diego is there's no housing and what housing is available is unaffordable. And that just comes from as a direct result of no housing. And so we're trying to solve the housing crisis by taking some of these homes that have a lot of extra space in their backyard or on their land and adding multiple units in order to provide some more housing in San Diego and, and try to make that housing a little bit more affordable. That's really interesting, Christian, because I feel like that is a big misconception with ADUs, right? Like it's, it's a bad thing, but yeah. you're actually providing more affordable housing yeah. for people who would otherwise not be able to afford it. So it seems like a real win-win. Yeah, and I think the people or the misconception of, of it, it being a bad thing comes more from like, you know, ruining the neighborhood and throwing a three-story building in a neighborhood with all single family homes. And that's not what we're doing. We're focused on properties and locations that those multi-units make sense. So we're not going to go into a single family neighborhood and throw 15 units behind a home that has the space, but is surrounded by single family homes. 
we're gonna on a property like that we'll put one to two maybe three units we'll really imitate what the front house looks like and there's a sense of privacy between the neighbors the front house and the rest of the units and we'll really maximize the value to the neighborhood we're not trying to affect the neighborhood negatively and we're trying to imitate the fabric of the neighborhood because that helps us with tenants with good having great tenants keeping the occupancy high and really maximizing the value as we go to sell or rent these these properties out and something i learned from you i think recently when we were chatting was i always thought an adu was you know you had it had to be in the back of the house that was my uh, yeah. perception of an adu and you and you said no and actually there's all these variations of adus like building on top of the house etc cetera, etc cetera. can you tell me a little bit about the different options you have or different yeah. styles or strategies you utilize yeah so there's so many different aspects and 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 strategies you can go in terms of the adu process and and california's really pushed this as a viable option and california's been pushing this for about four years now ADUs were a thing before it was granny flats. They were known as before that or, or mother-in-law units in 2019, 2020 is really when they started pushing it more and more. Uh, but as far as the avenues that you can build an ADU or place an ADU at your home, there's a ton of different avenues and, and that's garage conversion. We don't have many basements, but basement conversion. You can add an ADU in the backyard. You can throw one on top of your house, throw one on top of your garage. And in some neighbors neighborhoods, you can throw it in the front yard, depending on your setbacks. But there's plenty of different spaces that you could add ADUs. I know that ADUs are an extremely good way to create a house hack and create some revenue and, and make affordability for your own home really helpful. Awesome, Christian. And we kind of just jumped right into the ADU thing. Uh, that was front of mind. Can we take a step back? Can you tell me a little bit more about you're hearing a lot about ADUs um, yeah. in, within real estate niches as a super profitable technique to utilize right now? Yeah. Um, I'd love to hear about how you how do you how do you go down that path? So the path started. I mean, I initially bought my first home in 2017. Shortly thereafter, bought a second home. And when I moved into that, so I started the remodel and I that home had a large lot. And I knew that there had to be some sort of utilization of that lot. It was just completely underutilized. And even without the back half of the lot, I still had a, a very large yard on that property. So that's what got me thinking and got me looking into ADUs. And that was in 2019 that I uh, built my first ADU. Regulations have changed massively, you know, expanding what you're able to do, really supporting pushing ADU growth and pushing development of home of properties. But it started there. That one was rough. It was it took a year to get permits. And actually, I started the whole process in early 2019 and didn't get permits until March of 2020, which we all know what happened there. And, and so that permitting process was was so long and drawn out. And then, you know, the shutdown happened and and you know, as cities started to figure out how to keep things moving, that stalled a lot of things. So there was a lot of things driving that those delays and taking so long. But the learning experience from that led me to understand the opportunity here. So built that one, remodeled the front house, built that one. So I bought the house for 335000 
uh, remodeled the front house. It was a total gut and then built the ADU for a hundred thousand there. And then after I built the ADU, the house appraised for 785,000 about a year later, a year after originally was purchasing. Just light bulbs going yeah. off. And so what I was able to do there was this was before the light bulbs went okay. off. I knew it was a good avenue and and I really needed to pursue it, but I was able to cash out refinance and pull out all my money inclusive of down payment, the building of the ADU and the remodel of the front house plus an additional 30 grand. So I pulled out 225,000. I used that money. I didn't really know what to do with this strategy and how to scale it. I had the idea of syndicating and multifamily and learning that process. This was back in 2021, you said? This was in 2020 when I refinanced it. So I went and bought 24 units in Cincinnati because I thought I was going to go pursue syndications Mm -hmm. and multifamily and Mm -hmm. learn from that and really came out of that positive and, and sold the properties a year later. But during that time, I, I took another look at my strategy and that's where I pursued ADUs wholeheartedly. I went to every property I owned at that point in San Diego and I submitted a, a ADU permit. And, and at that point I decided I was gonna go all in and learn everything there was to learn about ADUs. And along the lines, I learned a few things of from the multifamily side and syndicating and knowing that I had to raise money in order to scale this. But yeah, that's what leads me to today. I, I've done uh, now. I've I've completed six ADUs, uh, six projects. I've got another now. It's twelve ADU projects in different phases of development. So most of those are in in permitting, few in design, and uh, a couple that have just been approved for build. And the goal is to build nine projects this year. And the key was just how successful that first one was and how much meat on the bone from building and developing these units were. I love how you just jumped in. I know you said there was a bunch of uh, learnings you had from the first one and someone might hear that and be like, oh, all this stuff go wrong. You just took action. You learned the permitting process was was long, that there was all these bumps along the road so you could optimize for it for the next one, right? You wouldn't have known that unless you took action. I love that. What I love what you're doing with your strategy, Christian, is focusing on a niche. Yeah. I think it's so understated. Like I'm I'm focusing on the boutique hotel niche. You're focusing on the ADU niche. And I think so many people get enamored with, you know, uh, I'm going to go buy commercial, uh, you know, a 200 person apartment building because that's what they hear everyone's doing. Well, you're going to be competing with everyone else. The fact that you're focusing on this ADU niche in specific neighborhoods and just being the master of your craft in these neighborhoods, I feel like is so powerful yeah, and is, is super understated. I think it's a great strategy. Thank you. Yeah. I, I think, uh, there's a few learning, like you said, learning curves around there. And like I chatted on and, and actually some of them I'm still going through. If I let those experiences, I call them learning curves, but someone call them failures or, or whatever they want to call them. But you take those as learning experiences and you grow from them and you decide to focus in a different place or switch, you know, you don't call it a just failure. You just switch or or turn off and on some switches and, and dial one part of that in or figure out what drove that issue. Like having a permit, you know, currently I have two permits that have been in processing for two years. They're in a city that I've decided to no longer build in and no longer develop in within San Diego. But that's something I learned with my own 
money, my own deals, my own processes. And that's what made me so confident to take this finished and final product that I've really worked on for six years and start to bring on investor capital and really maximize what I could do for San Diego and what I could do for investors. So tell me a little bit more about um, if someone wanted to invest with you, kind of the the benefits that they're getting and um, yeah. you know why you know why invest with Christian? I think that's like there's a lot of benefits. There's a lot of pros and cons in any investment. We hit on it earlier in terms of like the tax benefits and all these different things that come in in within our fund. We don't even promote the tax benefits and all the other benefits that you are able to gain from investing in our fund. Our main focus is just the returns we're able to employ the issue that we're solving. The biggest benefit is is the returns. It's a development investment. So we're taking a single family, converting it to multifamily, and we're able to build these ADUs and room additions and, and conversions for $300 a foot when it's trading on the market for anywhere from seven to to a thousand bucks a square foot. So we're really focused on that margin that we're able to take. And, And the more units we could build within reason, the better we could do there. So investing with me and Momentum Capital Group, our team has a ton of experience. And then my experience in San Diego and my experience with my own money, I feel like I've gone through the ringer with all my previous deals. I've now built two units in in Claremont, which is where we one of our focus towns in San Diego. I've built uh six units or six projects in other cities and I learned from those that you know what to do, what not to do, and where to focus and and what to focus on and the systems to build and and the team around us and um, I've gone through different engineers, different designers. And, and so I think that's the biggest value is I've done it for so long in, in city of San Diego and in San Diego in general, that just gaining that experience with investing with me, as opposed to maybe trying it your own, yourself gives you, you know, a few years leg up from just going out there and learning it yourself. I made plenty of mistakes on the first one. Don't get me wrong, I'll continue to make mistakes as we scale and as we learn new things, but our team will always um, you know, be transparent and you know, express what's going on at these properties. And I believe that, that what we can do with these properties is, is gonna be incredible for our investors. I remember when you were telling me about kind of the equation. It's it's a it's an equation more or less. Hey, we buy at X amount per square foot and we sell at X amount per square foot. Yep. I was like, wow, that is it's pretty crystal clear. And obviously, there's challenges and nuances and things you have to overcome along the way. But it sounds like these deals you're buying, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Um. There's no investment in the world's risk free, but it seems pretty low risk. And correct me if I'm wrong. It seems like the absolute worst scenario is some black swan event hits the US and you're just holding this deal for a little bit longer than yeah. you would. Yep. But it's not like someone's going to be in a situation where they're going to lose their money. They're either making the returns that you project now or, you know, black swan event hits and they're waiting a little longer, but it seems like a pretty symmetrical bet for for most folks. With all the narrative out there of how negative the market is and and how we're on this cusp of, you know, all the news puts out which is kind of counterintuitive to what's actually happening if you're in the market and you're buying or selling. If 
any of those things happen and we absolutely see a crush in the market, we've built that into our model. So we would have to see a almost 30% drop dip in the market to even start to break even. So we've built that into our model. We've built extreme uh, cost cushions in terms of our construction costs. You know, we know when COVID hit and supply chains and everything like that stalled, we built that into our model. Something crazy could happen with supply chain. Something crazy could happen with the, the market. And we'd still have enough cushion in there to sit on the property and have the cash flow come in, refinance the property, pay back a majority of our investors. So we've built in a lot of risk controls into this deal, into our fund. And then the other thing is that that you see with other deals is they're severely focused in one, maybe two assets. We decided to go with a fund model. So that way our, our investors would share the risk and the reward. You know, if one deal does okay and the other deal is a home run, they share in that. You know, you're not syndicated into one deal and you don't share in the other. So we've also brought that to the table. But I think the the amount of controls from just the way I've seen the market experience 2008, I was still in high school then, but I, I had enough knowledge to experience how difficult that was. We built that into our model to try to offset as much risk as possible. Another thing we looked at as we go to develop these properties, we plan to hold them for about almost two years. That's just the, the timelines of development. We didn't build any appreciation into these deals. We focused, like you said, solely on the margin between what we could build them for and what we could sell them for today. Supported by comps, supported by you know cap rates, all of that involved. And so we really just didn't build many risk issues into our model or, or over predict the, the market appreciation. And I think those, all those combined has led us to have a very simple model, but a simple model that has a ton of risk controls. Love that. So yeah, Christian, tell me a little bit about kind of the mindset that went into, um, you know, getting into ADUs and also some of these failures along the way. Like a lot of people would hear this and I think a lot of people would have failures with the city and just say, this, this sucks. This is too hard. Like, I tried, but you know, I'm going to go a different route, but you persevered. Yeah. And you pushed through a super challenging niche where there's a lot of challenges and I'm sure that's what makes you successful. A lot of people don't want to, you know, learn those things. So, tell me a little bit about that, about that mindset. Yeah. I think the mindset came through I feel like that mindset shifted. Where that mindset was then versus now and and how that continues continues to evolve and what you need at that certain point in time what education you need what support system you need what mentors or or masterminds you need around you continues to evolve and you know i think evolving with that is the biggest key for me but where i started it was solely focused in education the education aspect to learn what you can about systems learn what you can about business and scalability and different aspects. So I focused on on working hard and education at the front end. And that slowly evolved, that education piece evolved to hiring coaches, joining masterminds. And now what I'm really focused on is outsourcing and um, expanding the, the, the personal time I have. And, and my mindset around that is 
is create is creating a positive environment and 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 allowing to myself to give back to others from what I've built over the years. But I think mindset for me comes from education, the support system. And I think the biggest thing now is is health. Health drives everything. And yep. for a while there, I got pretty unhealthy and didn't really care much about health. And it was work, work, work. And that's where you, you've got to find that balance of what mindset you need in the current environment and not letting failure kind of knock you off that mindset. And if it does knock you off of that mindset for a few you know, months or, or weeks, you know, not allowing that to keep you down and just keep persevering. Totally. You know, your point about health can't be emphasized enough. So for a couple of reasons, A, you're super unhealthy, you know, and you die. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not to be morbid, there's there's no more time on the yeah. block. Or if it puts you in a situation where, you know, you just can't work as hard or as long anymore. But also just on the day to day, just feeling good. Yeah. Um, and the energy levels and putting your best foot forward. It seems counterintuitive, but taking that time for yourself every day to take care of yourself is so important. I also really interesting what you said about kind of outsourcing some of these tasks and the way you did it is the way I recommend it as well, right? Which is, you know, you work super hard, you educate yourself on the front end. When you're first starting out, you're not going to be able to just outsource tasks, yeah. nor should you. You yeah. need to put in the work yep. and you need to educate yourself. That's step one. But once you get to a certain point, you have that tipping point where you have enough capital and your time is worth a certain amount of money. It behooves you not to start out, start outsourcing stuff. Yeah. So I know you and I were chatting the other night about like potentially since we live pretty close, like splitting a you know a cook or someone to do the dishes. Yeah. And it's you know someone hearing that is like, oh, it must be nice. It's like yeah. you know I'm not doing that because I' too lazy to do it. It's just I know what my time's worth, and I know you know what your time's worth. Yeah. And like the hour and a half in the kitchen cooking and cleaning is not a good use of my time. I'd rather pay someone to do that. So I can work on those higher uh, value activities. Yeah, I think that's like critical. And you outsource so much in your day to day. You have an assistant, you have a, a VA, you have and then you get home and you do these tasks that are, you know, $10 an hour tasks when you could potentially be doing 100 to $400 an hour task that replenishes yourself and replenishes who you are and, you know, gets you out meeting friends and hanging out with friends and, and building relationships and improving your health. But we're so focused on, well, I've got to do some yard work and I've got to do the dishes and I've got to cook my meals. And if you enjoy doing those things, don't get me wrong, like you've got to do those things if that's what brings you joy. But it doesn't bring me joy it doesn't do what i you know it doesn't improve my situation by doing the dishes every day so if i can bring someone in for that i i feel like it doesn't land very well for for <laughs> listeners you know that's just part of their day-to-day -day. but as you scale and as you outsource you have to look at everything totally and i think people would be surprised on how cheap it could be like yeah. if you actually start looking into people it's not a crazy amount so um so i think it's a it's a good route to go for especially when stuff. you start like door dashing and you start eating out sure. you know four or five times a week and not only is it unhealthy but it's expensive yep absolutely so christian tell us where momentum capital group is going next what, what your guys goals are for the next call it 12 to 18 months then tell us wrap things up where people can find out more about you more about momentum capital group and hit you with questions momentum capital group i think it's extremely exciting where we're going um and what our goals are and what systems we're slowly building and and the team we're putting around us but Momentum Capital Group, we're at the tail end of our first fundraising. 
which is a $4 million fund. And we're acquiring eight homes in that fund. We will open another fund shortly thereafter. And our goal is to raise $50 million over the next 18 months and acquire about 100 to 120 homes all across San Diego and California as a whole and really pursue our our ADU strategy and and single family home conversion to help do our part in terms of the, the housing affordability within Southern California. I think one of the big driving factors of us scaling and, and, and growing is, is our team's willingness and need to give back to the community. And I enjoy giving back both time and money. And I think this allows us to also give back to investors and help people create wealth without them having to learn all that I've had to learn and all that my team's had to learn learn over the years investing in real estate, investing in businesses and, and building businesses. So I think where we're going is super exciting. If you want to reach out, if you'd like to invest, you can always reach out to me on Instagram. It's Christian Blue. My email is Christian at MMTMGRP. So MomentumGroup.com. And just shoot me a message, shoot me an email. I'm also a real estate broker here in San Diego. So reach out to me on Instagram for any information or knowledge that you need about the San Diego market and how I could help. Yeah. Happy to help. Happy to talk real estate all the time. Awesome. Well, it's great having you on Christian. Thanks for, thanks for joining. I'm sure the listeners will, will really uh, appreciate this plethora of information with ADUs. Thanks a lot, Jake. Appreciate it.